dwells in us. Uh, the resurrection reminds us that we have a hope in Jesus Christ, that what we see now and what we experience now is not the end, is not everything, uh, it, but, but, but just, uh, Father, that, that this is just something that, that's going to um, waste away. It's going to disappear. And, and there will be a new heaven and new earth. And this is what the, the resurrection reminds us, that there will be no more war, no more sickness, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more hunger, no more weeping, that everything will be new in Jesus Christ. That's what the resurrection reminds us. And, and as I think of the resurrection power, uh, when we see, uh, see Audrey, uh, Audrey Jane, where is she? She's here. And yeah, so we praise God that she's here. We were praying actually on Wednesday saying, and, and she was just saying, please pray that I can come to worship. And we take it for granted that just even just coming to worship is a blessing. It is a grace from God and it is an answer to prayer. So, so we're excited that she's here. We praise God um, as hear news about uh, David's brother, uh, Gary, and uh, he's almost like resurrecting from the dead where he was at a point where, where it was like, you know, induced coma, and you just don't know, and you don't know when he wakes up, what, if he wakes up, and what the condition will be like, but to, to hear that he is talking, that he remembers, that he is smiling, that he, uh, you know, we just praise God. We know it's still a, a long road ahead, but it's really bringing back from the dead, and we, we praise God. This is just a reminder of resurrection power, and that's what, uh, that's what Easter's all about. So let's go ahead and let's pray together. Father, we praise you and we thank you uh, because, Father, there is more than, uh, there is a, a greater reality than what we see here on earth, Lord. And we, we look at earth and we think it's so great sometimes, people think it's so great, but yet all the time we look at the earth and we look at there's sorrow, there's, there's war, there's, uh, there, there, there's injustice, there's hurting, there's, there's sickness, there's so many things, Lord, um, that remind us that, that this earth is, 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 is not it, Lord. And yet, Father, at the same time, we know that there is a spiritual reality that's right now, Lord, where Jesus is on the throne, where Jesus is interceding for his people, where the Spirit of God is moving. Even through sorrow and suffering, the Spirit and the power of God is there. Uh, the, the, the joy of the Spirit is in people uh, that, that, that we, we can't explain from a, from a human standpoint, but it's there because, uh, because of salvation, Lord, because people rejoice in salvation, because your people look and, and we don't just see the things around us, but we see Jesus seated on the throne. We see Jesus, our Lord, praying for his people. We see a, a hope and a beauty, uh, something that, that human eyes can't see, but, but the Spirit can see, Lord. Father, we praise you for, for even giving Audrey Jane just this day to come and worship, Lord. And we pray that you'll continue to, to be with her and that you'll heal her, that you will uh, give, her, give her strength and Leonard's strength, Lord, and blessing just day by day as they want to just want to serve you and they want to be with your people, Lord. So may this time be very special for her, Lord. Father, we praise you for uh, Gary and, and, and for really bringing him back from virtual like the dead, Lord. And we praise you. 
for the good things that are going on in his life. We want to pray for him and, and, and the family, Lord. We pray that, uh, that God, uh, through the, the, the uh, um, therapy and everything, that, that God, he will be able to regain all of his uh, speech and his thought and his working. And, and even if there are uh, losses, that, Father, that will just teach him even more to, to uh, depend upon you, Lord. Uh, that, that, that he will be, uh, even if it's physically not completely up to everything that he was, but spiritually be even greater, Lord, uh, because of all of these things, Lord. And so, Father, we thank you. Uh, we praise you so much because these are just uh, a few examples of, of the great and wondrous things that you are doing and that you can do uh, through your people, uh, even through us, Lord. May we be excited to proclaim uh, this Jesus Christ resurrected. And so we thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today uh, we're uh, going to be looking at uh, continuing on the life of Jesus. And uh, I'm excited about that. Well, I'm actually excited all the time. But I'm excited today especially because as I was studying this, uh, it was just really insightful. And I'm, I'm excited for what we're going to be doing today. Um, basically, we've been looking at the life of Jesus from the book of Luke. We saw that Jesus is going into the city of Jerusalem for the for a final time. And now it's coming to the point where uh, it's coming to his uh, arrest and his crucifixion. He calls the disciples to get ready for persecution and judgment and all these events have been occurring kind of in the public sphere and among the religious leaders in few, full view of the crowds and now today we're going to look at one of the more intimate and private moments that Jesus has with his disciples before his death on the cross and it's very significant because um, through this um, event we commemorate uh, every Sunday, the first Sunday of the month through the Lord's Supper, which we're going to be doing today. So I'd like you to turn with me to Luke 22, verse 14. Luke 22, verse 14. And a reverence for the word of God, let's stand together. <coughs> and this is Jesus. He's in an upper room with his disciples, and he's sharing a meal. And when the hour had come, verse 14, he reclined at the table, Jesus reclined at the table with the apostles with him, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now, from this passage, we're going to see that the Lord's Supper is, is more than just this cognitive reminder of the death of Jesus Christ. It is actually a gift from Jesus. It, it's, it's the means of experiencing, in a sense, the crucifixion of Jesus as present and active in the life of every follower of Jesus Christ. And there are two things we want to look at as we study this passage. First of all, we're going to look at the origin and the meaning of the Lord's Supper, the communion that we're taking. And second, we're going to look at what does it mean for us today. So when we look at the first thing, what is the origin and meaning of the Lord's Supper? In verse 15, it says, And he, Jesus, said to them, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. 
And so basically, this meal is known as the Last Supper. It forms the basis of communion. And by the way, this is not a very good depiction. It's a famous depiction, but it's not a really accurate depiction of the Lord's Supper. They're probably sitting on the floor in a circle and uh, not necessarily at this European table uh, in this, uh, you know, Greco-Roman architecture or whatever. Um, So... It's not really accurate, but since it's what we normally associate with the Lord's Supper, uh, just, you know. <laughs> so we see here, uh, in, in the Lord's Supper, he's reclining at the table. He's sharing what he knows is the final meal with the disciples before his crucifixion. And in this very, it's a very emotional moment because the disciples, they don't know what's going to happen. But he knows, Jesus knows what's going to happen. And he, he gives to them one of the rare New Testament rituals that is continued to be practiced uh, even today. And so up to this point, uh, before um, Jesus, the time of Jesus and his uh, death on the cross, uh, the means of fellowship with God is through the Mosaic Covenant, right? And, and they were even sacrificing, even up to this point. Animals were being sacrificed as a symbolic substitute for the sin of mankind. And so the animal sacrifice was kind of when people offered their sacrifice, it was a symbolic act of humility, of repentance, and of worship. And as this animal was sacrificed in our place, they would continue this close fellowship with God under his blessing and care. Now, inherent to this particular system under the Mosaic Covenant was this necessity that they had to offer sacrifices like year after year. They had to just keep offering sacrifices. But with the coming of Jesus, in a few hours, everything's going to change, completely change. We know that through the death of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, Jesus would inaugurate what is called the New Covenant. This is a relationship with God that is not based on symbolic sacrifices of animals, but rather it's based on the singular sacrifice for sin uh, through Jesus Christ. Jesus' death on the cross uh, was where our sin was actually placed upon the shoulders of Jesus. He died for our sin, paying the penalty that we deserve and brings us forgiveness. This was not a symbolic act like, oh, Jesus is symbolically dying for us on the cross. No, this was a real act. Jesus is actually dying. At that moment, when he hung on the cross, he was actually dying, enduring the punishment that we deserve for our sin. Not just us, but for all of mankind. He's providing redemption. He's providing forgiveness. And now this new covenant is going to be commemorated is going to be reenacted through the church through the observance of the Lord's Supper until Jesus returns. Now this is the origin of the communion. Verse 19 says, and he, Jesus, and we, we hear this every week, he, every month, he took the bread when he given thanks, he broke it and said to them, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, we take the cup and after they'd eaten, he said, this cup is poured out for you. It is a new covenant in my blood. So we know the meaning. We know the origin. It comes from this Last Supper. Uh, the meaning of the communion, the, the, the bread it represents Jesus' body. The, bl- the cup represents Jesus' blood. And so the thing is, is that we look at this and we say, um, what does this mean? This is actually one of the two sacraments that... Uh, I would say that we as a church observe. What is a sacrament? Just for your FYI, 
A sacrament is a practice that is to be perpetuated throughout hi the history of the church, and it's directly commanded by Jesus. If you've taken baptism class, you should know this. Um, but there's two sacraments, the Lord's Supper and baptism. And so as we go through this, uh, the Apostle Paul says that as we take the Lord's Supper, it must be done in an appropriate manner, with reverence, with honor, with the understanding of its significance and the reason for why Jesus gave it to the church as a gift. So the next question <coughs> is, what does the Lord's Supper mean for us? You know, we take it every month. Uh, we prepare, I mean, people come and prepare it for us. We're very thankful for those who come early and, and prepare all of these elements for us to enjoy, not just to enjoy, but to really practice together. This is actually a holy rite. And, and, and what does it mean to take it in, in a worthy manner? And we need to ask, really, answer, answer a more fundamental question, and that is, what is the purpose of ritual? See, because as a, as a community of faith, ritual is, is, is somewhat lost on us um, because oftentimes we don't celebrate, well, we don't think too much of what we do in terms of ritual, but actually we do have a lot of rituals. Um, now, ritual, by definition, is <clears throat> a religious or solemn ceremony that consists of a series of actions performed according to a prescribed order. Basically, that says that there is something that we do, and we do it a very specific way because it's ordered or it's, it's, it's written, the instructions are written that way. And so rituals are different than habits. Okay, habits are things that we do like, you know, <clears throat> whenever we talk, we scratch our nose or, you know, whatever. Uh, or whenever we, we meet somebody, we, you know, whatever we do. Those are habits. Habits are things that are like second nature. We don't even think, we don't even realize that we're doing them until somebody says, hey, do you notice whenever you, you do this, whenever you start to do this, you do this first. And that's a habit. But rituals are not habits. Rituals um, are Rituals are intentional. Uh, oops. Okay, rituals are intentional. For example, um, blowing, they, they have a purpose. They have a reason. And when we do them, um, we, we know why we're doing them. Uh, for example, uh, when we blow out the candles on our child's 16th birthday, that's a ritual when we celebrate those birthdays. And we, maybe we don't know what the blowing out of the candles is, but that's intentional. We have this ritual for, uh, oh, it's a very special birthday. Uh, when we exchange rings in a wedding, okay, we notice we, we have that. Why is that? Does somebody make that up? No, that's a ritual. That's something that we see. It's very intentional. It has a reason. It has a purpose for why when we go to every wedding, uh, people exchange rings. That's a, a practice. Um, when we pay last respects at a funeral, that's, again, it's a ritual. It's something that, 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 that we, we do, and there's meaning for why we do this. Rituals are, are part of every time there is an important event we want to mark that important event. We want to share in something together, whether it's a celebration, whether it's uh, processing our grief, whether it's a, a life change. Um, oftentimes, we'll have what is called a ritual that is associated, that marks off that particular event with meaning. So um, an anthropologist um, once said this about rituals. She says, um, the act of ritual is a common thread that um, 
linked humanity throughout the ages, regardless of ethnicity, culture, or religion. Through ritual, we build families and communities. We make transitions. We mark important events in our lives. We express ourselves in joy and sorrow. And perhaps most importantly, we create and sustain identities. And again, rituals are intentional and purposeful. She goes on to say that when we gather together for ceremonial rituals, they connect us to our history. That oftentimes these rituals that we practice, uh, sometimes they connect back to something very important that has happened in our past that draws us together in terms of, of identifying who we are, why we are where we are, and why we're together as a community. And so as we think about uh, the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Supper also is a ritual that has very specific uh, a purpose. Jesus even mentioned that purpose when he instituted it. He says in verse uh, 19, he says, do this in remembrance of me. Now, <clears throat> for us as Westerners, when we think of remembrance, we think of uh, cognitive, just like I remember something, like, well, I don't want my kids to forget about, you know, this tradition, so we're always gonna do this so that they remember this. Or we think of remembrance as uh, remembering those who have fallen, or remembering those who are not with us anymore, so there's a sense of honor. There's a sense of uh, never uh, forgetting something. But now, in the, the Jewish community, um, remember is more than just this cognitive um, idea, and that's why I was really excited when I did a lot of, I was doing the research on what does ritual and remembrance mean for the Jewish culture, which was what um, Jesus was speaking to. See, remembrance in the Jewish culture can mean to celebrate, to solemnize, to experience, to proclaim, to consider, to meditate, to ponder, to obey, to confess, to worship. It's very, very active. There's so many other things that involved, are involved with this idea of remembrance. That it wasn't just, okay kids, remember that, remember this story, that's what I'm telling you. No, it's saying, now as we do this, we are experiencing this, this great event that is a part of who you are as a child of Israel. Unlike the church, Israel had a lot of rituals. And the thing that, that kind of keeps coming up <clears throat> as I'm studying these different rituals is this idea of experience, which again is very different from us. We don't think of like, I'm experiencing things as I'm doing this. We think tactile, I'm doing something. But, but for example, for the Israelites, when they observe the Sabbath, when they wave the stalks of grain, when they live in booths outside the city, this is not just to remember these events. This is actually to enter into these events in history and be a part of, of, of what Israel, what it means to Israel to, to, to worship a God who saved them out of slavery. Uh, uh, Shimon Felix, who's a rabbi, he's an expert in ancient Jewish traditions, and he said this, he said the temple was meant to be, like temple itself was meant to be a reenactment of the dramatic experience of the Jewish people, what they had gone through in giving the Torah on the Mount Sinai. That at that moment, 
when the entire nation experienced directly the presence of God, heard his word. This was a supreme moment in Jewish history. And that the temple of Jerusalem was meant to offer the people an opportunity to, um, to experience again this defining moment of Jewish history, uh, the, the, the revelation at Sinai, that, that when they go into the sanctuary, all the vessels, all the, the priests and Levites, you know, we look at this and we read it and we say, wow, God was so specific about you know, what the, the fabric was to be, how many uh, 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 sheets there were, and all this kind of stuff. And he was real specific about all the different elements of that. And what this rabbi is saying is that all these things, uh, they're not just for decor, they're not just to look nice, uh, they're there to help the worshiper to have this experience that I'm going back to Sinai where my people met with God, the God of the universe, where God in, in the very first time brought down his word in writing to tell us what it means to serve and honor a holy God, that what it meant for the people to, to, uh, to, to stand there and say, yes, uh, we will serve the Lord our God. See, Israel had a, a, a rich history. God worked in so many powerful ways. He did miracles. He, he delivered his people. Uh, and Rabbi Felix was saying, you know, so often in our present society, we get so caught up in the normal, right? We get caught up in the normal commute. We pay our bills. Uh, we get our kids to the place on time. We make sure dinner is ready. We clean up and wash the dishes. And, and we, we do all these things in the ordinary, and the ordinary just overwhelms our life. We're just thinking about the ordinary all the time. And sometimes this, this being trapped in the ordinary um, takes away the wonder and the majesty of God from our daily lives. You ever feel that way? I feel that way. You wake up in the morning and you don't think about how great and wonderful God is. You think about, okay, what are the things I have to do today? Oh, did so-and-so, is, is, you know, are the lunches ready for our kids to go? Oh, uh, when do I have to pick up so-and-so? That's what we think about. And we go through the day and we're driving around and we're seeing uh, 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 the, the beauty of the creation around us. We're not thinking, oh, the beauty of God. We're thinking, oh, it's gonna rain. <laughs> I gotta do it to my commute. I better make sure that I add a few extra minutes to my commute, things like that. Um, the everyday demands of our secular world, uh, really in the everyday demands of our secular world, we, we lose that, that, that sense of transcendent mystery and awe. The, the, the God must become a part of our lives. The church is not just something we just go to so that we can learn God's word and meet our friends and do things, but we come to church to, to literally come into the presence of God. That's, that's ritual. That's what ritual meant for the Israelites. That, for example, for the Passover. That for, the, for the Passover, for the Jews to, to celebrate the Passover, that was for all the Jews to say, stop what you're doing. Stop thinking about all the stuff that's going on and remember that you were once a nation in slavery. 
And he says, and, and I want us to close our eyes right now. This is just an imagination. Close your eyes right now and imagine that you are a, a, a Jewish person. And God's saying to you right now, he's saying, with all the things going in your life right now, stop and remember that you were once a people in slavery. Think about that. Your great, great, great grandfathers and grandmothers, they were slaves. They died building these uh, pagan uh, temples. And God, through God in his power, you were redeemed through, through miracles. You walked, your people walked through the Red Sea on dry land. And, and now as you take of this Passover, you imagine this, you believe this, you think about this. Join with your ancestors now. Know that this is who you are as a people. You are not just a person living in the 21st century that's trying to make a living and, and do all these things. You are a people that were once slaves and you walked through the Red Sea because of the power of God, because God chose you to be his people and you are still that people today. Now go ahead, open your eyes before you fall asleep. <laughs> this is what the Passover meant to the Jewish people. That's why they observed um, the Passover. It's, it's, it's to experience and relive the glory of God because it reminded them and, and, and told them who they are and how they're supposed to live in every moment. That's why God says, whatever you do, when you're in, when you're, uh, in your greatest time under the time of Solomon, observe the Passover. When you are wandering in the wilderness, observe the Passover. When you are in exile, observe the Passover. When you um, are coming back in the, in, in, <laughs> in the 60s or whatever, to, to, as a nation, observe the Passover. Why? Remember, this is who you are. This is who you are. Why you're here and never forget. That's experience. Now, we look at this and we say, well, what about for us now as Christians? What does this experience of the communion mean to us? Well, I would say that it has to do with the mystical union of Jesus. Now, I don't wanna get weird here. Like, it's not like, oh, this is like something weird going on, because I know that there are some, some talks about, oh, you know, transubstantiation, all this stuff where the blood actually, the, the cup actually becomes the blood and the bread actually becomes his body. That's not what we're talking about here. That was kind of a, 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 a misunderstood way of bringing the experience of the communion into our lives. What, what, the, the, the bread and the, the wine continues, or the blood continues to be a, um, a symbol. But as we take the bread and the cup, what we are doing is we are experiencing what Peter and John experienced as they sat there and they looked at the cross and they saw their Lord, who they had shared a meal with, who they had seen laughing you know, in the party with the, the, the taxpayers and sharing the gospel and speaking about the kingdom of God, that they saw this Lord being tortured and crucified on a cross. And so now as we observe the communion today, uh, we are experiencing Jesus, the living Savior, and what he did for us at that time. 
And what I want us to do today is to really, again, enter in to what Jesus really means, what it means to, to enter into this union with Jesus. There are three practical areas uh, which I want us to really think about communion. Number one is the idea of fellowship with Jesus, fellowship together. They took it together as a meal, that this is something that we're enjoying together. Second idea, the suffering of Jesus. Communion reminds us of the suffering of Jesus. And the third thing is that communion reminds us of what it means to walk with Jesus. So here in Luke 2, 22, verse 14, it says, Jesus says, when the hour had come, uh, um, he reclined on the table and the apostles with him, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And there's a sense of having fellowship with Jesus, that to break bread, to share the cup, it's like we're breaking bread with Jesus himself. It's like we're with the disciples and we're breaking bread together. We have this fellowship of suffering and struggle, knowing that we together have given up everything to follow Jesus. That's what we share together. We've shared the experience of suffering for Jesus. We've shared in the experience of loss for Jesus. We've shared in the experience of the joy of, of ministry to Jesus together. And this is what breaking of the bread is, a sign of fellowship. Let this fellowship, let the communion be a time of re-experiencing, of being with the disciples together and seeing that, that we're like the disciples together as a church family walking with him fellowshipping with him second area we want to share with Jesus is his suffering verse 19 says this is my body which was given for you uh, this is my uh, uh, this is the cup the, uh, that was poured out for you the new covenant in my blood uh, that we stand at the cross and, and, and we say we, we see Jesus nailed to the cross and, and what I want us to do together is as we take communion we take all of our complaints all of our fears all of our worries our sorrows our petty personal issues our sins and we kneel before the cross of Christ and we weep with the women and we watch our Savior die for the sin of the world and we remind ourselves that all these other things that we worry about and we think about and we want, and they, they, don't, we don't, they, don't, they don't mean that much anymore. As we think about what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And finally, as we take communion, let us re-experience what it means to follow him. Jesus says, I've earnestly, Jesus said to them um, that I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you that I will not eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So he's looking forward to saying, we will have this meal again when, when the kingdom of God comes together. And, 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 and in Corinthians, Paul says, for often as, as often as you eat this bread and, and, and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Uh, proclaim is the same word as like evangelism, euangelo. And it's this idea that, that we are proclaiming the kingdom of God together when we take the communion. It's not just a sad thing remembering his death, but we're proclaiming the kingdom of God, that we're going to celebrate this very feast uh, with Jesus in heaven together uh, with all the saints and we've been studying history and we've been looking at those who've given up their lives uh, for Jesus Christ. Um, the early church fathers, the monks, the, the ones who, who gave their lives for the sake of Christ, for the sake of the gospel. We're going to be sharing a meal uh, with them 
in the kingdom of God together. And, 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 and just imagining when the disciples that try to experience that point where, where Jesus, when Jesus comes and they see the risen Lord in their, in their place. Can you imagine what they're thinking when they see Jesus? They're thinking, what do I have to fear? Jesus just rose from the dead. What do I have to worry? God just raised Jesus from the dead. I feel like right now I can punch the world in half because Jesus has risen from the dead. I could, I could give up everything right now because Jesus has risen from the dead. Uh, I could go through and endure anything right now. Why? Because Jesus has risen from the dead. Jesus could tell me to carry my cross right now. I have no fear whatsoever. Why? Because Jesus has risen from the dead. He's right here. And, and all my sorrow and all the 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 the, the, the the tears, they're gone because Jesus has risen from the dead. And I'll do anything for him now. And I'll not be afraid of anything. Anything. Because Jesus has risen from the dead. See, that, that's what communion must mean to us together as we take it. So what I want us to do right now is I want us to gather, is to take, when we take the elements, you come to the table, take the elements, but I want us to gather in groups of about larger groups, maybe about seven or eight people. And I want them to be people that are not just your peers or who you sit next to. I want to see youth, young adults, older adults in these groups together. And I want us to pray through these things, to pray and say, God, we are together as a family, a fellowship, because of the blood of Jesus Christ. God, we come before you right now, before the cross, and we lay our fears and our sorrows and our worries before you. And then finally say, God, we are going to, we want to rejoice. We want to walk with you because we have victory in you and we pray that victory together. So let's go ahead and let's all come together. Let's go ahead and let's take, take the, the elements. Come on, everybody up to the table. We'll come, we'll take the elements, and then break into groups of about, again, seven or eight people. Come on up. If you're, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you come up. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you haven't put your faith in Jesus, that's okay. Don't come up, but you can still join the groups as we pray, okay? So if you're a believer, just come on up. If you're not a believer, don't put your faith in Jesus yet. Don't worry, you still can join the groups. Go ahead and grab your bread and your